This is Fuse FM. A man has been re-arrested by Greater Manchester Police on suspicion of terror offences after a knife man randomly lunged at shoppers at the Arndell Centre. A total of five victims were taken to hospital after the attack unfolded shortly after 11.15am on Friday the 11th. It's been revealed that the University of Manchester currently has investments in two companies among the 20 worst polluters. It comes after York University announced it would divest from all fossil fuel companies. Here's Nicole Wooten-Kane, the Mancunian's deputy editor, talking on the story. I was saw the article in The Guardian about the 20 companies that were responsible for producing a third of the world's carbon emissions and it reminded me of a piece that the Mancunian did last year looking at the university's investments in fossil fuel companies and so I took a read of that and then I went back to the university's investment portfolio which has more recently been updated and found that they did still have investments in two of those companies which were BP and Royal Dutch Shell. Student activists have written an open letter to the council demanding that a decision to erect a statue of Gandhi in the city centre should be scrapped. Liberation and Access Officer Sara Khan said Black History Month made it an important time to shine a light on the uglier sides of history. And finally, a Yolt study has found that Manchester students are spending more than the national average on freshers' festivities. Students spent 24 million in total according to the Smart Money Thinking app. That's all for now, you're in focus. This is Fuse FM, Manchester's student radio. Hello everyone and welcome back to episode two of Fuse in Focus. Uh, We're all here today with the co-host that we've all got uh, in red because of course, just getting this right off the bat, we are here today in support of Show Racism the Red Card. Um, If anyone is on campus and is in red, thank you, you're doing a fantastic job. Please remember to donate a pound to the cause uh, and you can do so upstairs at the SU. My name is James and I am joined by the meticulous Megan. Hello. The ruthless Rebecca. Hi. And the captivating Conrad. Oh. And I think <laughs> <laughs> and I think I did a better job of those than I did last week. I've, I've taken time, I've thought about adjectives. Yeah. A bit of alliteration. <laughs> I know, I think so, I think so. The problem is though, I want to do a different one every week and eventually I'm going to run out of adjectives for all of your names. So oh, it's okay. Have to find it's really okay. Ones, I know, yeah. these are going to get more... I'm going to have to go into, like, ye old sort of Germanic <laughs> English, and it's going to get very interesting. Um, so, we've got quite a few interesting stories this week, um, and I think um, it's probably best if we start off... Megan, could you tell us a little bit more about our first story, the Gandhi statue? Yeah, so basically, our Liberation and Access Officer, Sara Khan, has written an open letter to Manchester City Council demanding that the plans to, um, to kind of put up a Gandhi statue in Manchester City Centre should be scrapped and abolished. Um, as you may have heard on the news uh, bulletin that we just played, really sorry that it kind of cut out. Uh, I kind of got in touch with her because this story has now hit like national headlines. The Times reported on it this morning. The Guardian has reported on it. A lot of other newspapers have reported on it. Um, so I just wanted to kind of make sure that she got her what her intentions were across well. So I asked her a few questions and she sent me a voice note in, you know, explaining herself what was going on. Um, the first question that I asked her was, what are the main reasons that you would like the council to abolish the plans to put up the statue? I also asked her, what was the reaction to your open letter? Um, and how has the reaction kind of developed over time? Um, now I'm just going to play what she has like sent me in response to that. Hi, Megan. 
So I guess um, my answer to the first question would be um, that we are opposing the plans to build the statue because um, there's clear evidence to say that Mahatma Gandhi was um, an anti-black racist um, amongst other um, issues that he kind of had. It's been argued that he was very anti-Dalit um, and even that he was a misogynist. Um, in any case, the council has said that they want to put the statue up to pr promote peace in Manchester after um, the Manchester Arena bombings and we do not think that this aim will be achieved through erecting a statue of Gandhi because um, he does not represent peace, he does not represent um, justice, um, he doesn't represent anti-colonialism, he was an anti-black racist um, and he he simply isn't the people the person that people um, think he was, um, which we think is really important to highlight. Um, my answer to the second question would be that um, the reaction's been pretty mixed. So obviously, like um, I think that this hit the bank union like last week, um, and. Yeah, so I think it's been really, really intense on both sides in the sense that um, on social media, particularly on Twitter, on my work account, I've received like a really insane amount of um, Islamophobic um, kind of hate and comments, um, which has been pretty difficult, to be honest. Um, and the, a lot of the people who who have been opposed to, um, you know, our campaign and our open letter um, have, you know, been expressing things in a very, um, very violent, very racist way. Um, on the on the other side of things, um, I've received some really incredible, really supportive messages um, the NUS Black Students Campaign posted a statement of support, which you can find on Twitter. Um, and, you know, I was contacted by the Gandhi Must Fall campaign in Malawi. Um, and I've had some, some emails from people saying that, um, that what we're doing to raise awareness about these issues is really important. So um, it's definitely been mixed and definitely really intense. So quite a, quite an interesting take on this. Um, just to kind of go around uh, and get a sort of general feel for this, uh, are we here generally for or against the idea of having a, a Gandhi statue in Manchester? Let, let's start with you, Conrad. What, how do you feel? Um, well, first of all, I think it's probably important to say that we, I think we sent a, a letter in solidarity with Sarah Khan. Yeah, so uh, Fuse FM have actually released a statement as we are showing support for show rate the show races in the red card charity and the fact that she is associated with our student union and this is something that she's getting a lot of hate for. We just wanted to release a statement saying that uh, on show races in the on wear red um, in support of show racism the red card we as the committee stand against racism and discrimination in football but also in all walks of life we also want to give some special support and special mention to Sarah Khan who's received a lot of Islamic and racist abuse 
following her open letter to Manchester City Council. We want to give our presenters and listeners a chance to engage with the campaign and develop their own views. But on a day where we are supporting the Stand Up to Racism campaign, we can't stand by and witness the abuse she is receiving on social media. Everyone should be able to campaign and protest without the threat of becoming a victim to such abuse. You can continue in your dialogue. (laughs) That was just a, a statement from Views FM. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's good that we've made that statement. Mm-hmm. That's important. But yeah. um, when it comes to uh, the statue, I personally am a little bit mixed to it because I think you can see why you know the idea behind it. Because I mean, the the not many people are so aware, but I think the general the general picture that people have of Gandhi is this picture of a, a man who tried to you know use f- peaceful means and yeah. anti and. Uh, to achieve an anti-colonial objective to liberate India from British yeah. occupation. Yeah. Um, that's, and then I think, that said, the person himself has a lot of, you know, frankly, kind of despicable views. Mm. But, um, and and then the reason we make a statue is to say that we like, you know, we want to express this thought from our city. So, but to express that through a person who you know, on the surface, expresses that kind of thing accurately and has a lot of other negative connotations. I think it's unwise to use yeah. a person, a mixed and flawed person, to express that view. Yeah. Okay, okay. And Rebecca, how do we feel? Um, it's definitely very interesting. And I don't know where I stand um, either. It definitely brought attention to things I hadn't learned previously about Gandhi, which is definitely important. Um Either way, however you may feel about Sarah's um, ideas, her activism, it obviously does not make sense to retaliate with Islamophobic or racist abuse. You can disagree with her ideas, you can disagree with her activism, but that was completely uncalled for and not warranted. Yeah, the um, Indian Society of Manchester Student Union uh, responded to the campaign um, and basically rejected it. And I kind of asked Sarah what her response to it was or how did she feel about this? Um, And she had another response, so I'll just play it now. In terms of your last question, um, I think there is a clear link between images of Gandhi and the current Indian government. Um, I think that the current Indian government is very much a uh, right-wing Hindu extremist nationalist government in the most part. Um, over the past few years under the Modi government, we've seen Muslims being massacred. Um, the caste system is still prevalent in India and Dalits are still treated as second-class citizens. Um you know, it's it's a really terrible situation for people of marginalized groups in India right now. And um, what these kind of interests in power and these right wing people in power um, a lot of the time will be talking about in their propaganda is this idea um, of India as, um, you know, like a... a, a spiritual kind of anti-colonial heroic um state um and i think that that's something that gandhi very much represents um i think that in the way that he's represented as a liberating savior 
uh, figure, um, when in reality, of course, it was uh, it was massively down to collective action that Indian independence was ever achieved, and Gandhi played a very limited role in that, I would argue, compared to some of his contemporaries. Um, yeah, so I think I think that like that images of people as national heroes is absolutely a propaganda tool that's used by governments. Um, and I definitely think that that's something that the Modi government is doing right now. And I think that it, the comparison is really clear when you read up a lot of stuff about Gandhi's feelings about Dalits and Muslims and black people. And I just, I think that it's no coincidence that the Indian government is um, trying to, is is having a say in, in trying to promote these statues being put up in Malawi and Ghana and Manchester, etc. I think it's um, clearly a propaganda tool. And um, obviously this isn't anything to say about like Indians. Some people have made it out to be like an India, Pakistan, Hindu, Muslim thing. Um, it's it's about the government, um, which which is a, a right-wing extreme and exclusive government it's quite an interesting issue this one isn't it because it's um i think at face value um it feels like it it, you know it it is just a statue but when there's so many historical and cultural muddying of the water elements here it's kind of yeah it gets it gets very very sticky very quickly i think that it's interesting because she brought up how the Gandhi statue was in Manchester, not Manchester, there was a statue in the University of Ghana of Gandhi and the student, I'm not sure if it was the students that took it down, but they had a whole campaign very similar to the one that we're having now saying that Gandhi must go. And I think that if it's unacceptable for the statue to be in a Ghanaian university, I wonder whether, why is it that it's just not, why is it that it's not acceptable here either? Why is it that it's not, if it's not acceptable in Malawi, why is it acceptable here? I think that I understand what people think he represents, but I also just don't understand the correlation. The statue is said to be to promote peace, but when you boil it down, we are not in India, we are Mm. in Manchester, why don't you get a statue of someone that's promoted peace in Manchester and put them up? Why does it need to be Gandhi? But is there no one else that's promoted peace that we could promote? Maybe it's someone that is an unsung hero that we could go, actually, there's a statue there because they promote this. And I just think it's a, an opportunity to find someone else. You know, it, it yeah. doesn't... The purpose that they're using the statue for... It doesn't have to be Gandhi. It doesn't have to be this particular hero who people have issues with. I think that history is complicated and I'm not saying that he's not what he says he is, but I I cannot say I've done my research and know that he is anti-black or he's racist. He, he probably is because I've read a lot of sources that say, but, you know, everyone is a little, like, in the context of their history, history is not a hero and a villain. It's complex. Yeah. Difficult people have difficult, like, our heroes have difficult views that we may not come to terms with. And I think that is important to remember when we talk about history. But ultimately, I, I kind of support the campaign because I just don't see a need for a Gandhi statue in Manchester. And it's challenging as well, isn't it? Because it's not that the statue isn't necessarily being erected in mind of 
Gandhi and what he represented. They're wanting exactly. to put him up in terms of the, I suppose, pop culture image that we have of exactly. Gandhi exactly. as he's a symbol for peace. And the, the, the difficulty here that I think this has highlighted is that when you kind of try and raise a tribute to someone based on popular consciousness, yeah. you're obviously opening a lot of doors to what that person actually represented. Yeah. And not, nothing is as clear-cut. No one is this uh, a universal paragon of good and when you try and represent someone as that yeah you invariably step into some very 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 sketchy territory yeah i mean statues are often just very divisive in themselves because they become an icon or a symbol to represent a city and if you don't necessarily identify with that statue there's a lot of infighting in that city in that community because you feel misrepresented for example yeah um, yeah. it, it's happened a lot in, in the States, for example, with Confederate um, Civil War monuments where people revise history or um, new connotations come about and it becomes very tricky. A statue isn't just a statue. It isn't. No, it's it's not. And I think that's what the whole campaign is going against this idea that we can have this idol and we can put up this person and say that this is what peace is when it is just not as straightforward as that. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's... The fact that she has gained a lot of racist abuse in response is like highlighting an issue in itself. It's so telling that, isn't it? Yeah. That that, that's what has come of this. Because if it was just a fact of someone disagreed with her, you know, it 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 wouldn't be as abusive. It wouldn't. You wouldn't have to attack someone's ethnicity, someone's race, someone's religion to prove your point mm-hmm. if you just said listen mate i disagree why why do you feel so threatened to go to being abusive because if you just disagree do you think well other people are just going to disagree and it's not that deep i think we could stay on this topic we really could for hours and hours but we have already quite drastically <laughs> overrun our first story um our second story is um quite an unpleasant one and it's sort of um multiple stories that are all stemming into one so for anyone who hasn't um heard or seen what's been going on in the city over the course of this past week there have been multiple incidents of knife crime um being on the rise i i I think it's uh, very unfortunate that this is happening in manchester obviously knife crime is a very very hot topic within london it is and yeah. now it's uh, spreading up to manchester to kind of give anyone a bit of a brief who isn't aware um last week i think was it on friday a week ago today yes friday. it was actually yeah um somebody ran into the starbucks in the arndale um completely unprompted completely unwarranted uh and just began wildly stabbing at um people that were in there trying to enjoy a coffee um, the day after was, um, I think, Megan, you maybe know a little bit more about this. There was a separate stabbing incident. Yeah, I read an article on the Manchester Evening News that basically said that there was a smaller stabbing in Piccadilly uh, Piccadilly Gardens. I cannot remember the exact um, what elements of the crime, but they said that it wasn't an isolated incident. Um, not, it was an isolated incident, sorry. Mm. And then I think it was on Wednesday... I might, I might, was it Wednesday? This week, uh, a boy was stabbed on the 142 bus going past the Curry Mile, which everyone, well, the Curry Mile, everyone knows it as the Curry Mile, but it's in Rush Home. Um, and basically, just someone in a balaclava got on the bus and stabbed them and ran away. And it, I think it's, it's that story gained a lot of 
traction I think in the student bubble just because the curry mall and rush home is we pass it every day people will live mm. there there's and, accommodation there and the the, vic- the victim was a 17 year old boy. the victim was yeah. 17 think, didn't they they arrested a 16 year old yeah, boy the perpetrator was also a teenager yeah. yeah yeah they've just arrested a 16 year old boy in connection to that and the police keep saying that these are isolated incidents but it feels it feels like it can't be isolated it feels like there's too much going on in one one week for three, it to three just separate be. stabbings in a week and and that's not even all there was a, a similar stabbing on long site on the exact same day i mm. think the woman that committed the stabbing has actually been sectioned um but it, it just goes to show it feels like it's happened it's like happening all the time and i think like almost to sort of demonstrate how out of control the problem of knife crime is I, I I didn't even know about that one. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like it's just it, the, these stories are now so commonplace that when they happen, like like that, they don't even really enter our news cycles. Exactly. It's, it, it is crazy. It, it's out of control. Why panel discussion? <laughs> big question. Why why is, what, what's with all the knife crime? What's what's going on? Uh, um. Well, I think the lady in Longside she was sectioned, so like under yeah. mental health. Yeah. Effect. Yeah. And then I think also the person in the Andale, he also had mental health issues. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think there's a link between those two, and then there's a link, you know, the the two young boys. Yeah, but it just in general, I don't, I potentially don't feel like it's on the rise. I just think that it's becoming a more of a central topic of debate. Mm. Do you know what it I mean? Is, it is on the rise, though. Um, as of this week, police figures are showing that it is at an all-time high, um, and that knife crime offences have risen in England and Wales by seven percent in the last twelve months. Which That's is crazy. mental. Yeah, also, I mean, with the mental health thing, I mean that correlates with reduced services for mental health clinics. Yeah, it the does. Country. It does. And I think there's probably a further correlation here with um, reduced services and you know policing. Yeah, I mean, I think people are less. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I've never stabbed anyone, but but I think I would be less inclined to do it if there was a policeman watching me. But well, I mean, the the Andale attack was right in the centre. I mean, there were community support officers nearby mm. who rushed to the scene within five minutes. But yeah, also, I think you're right. In the the other events that are outside, there, yeah, I mean, yeah. police cutbacks all over the city. I, I think it feels more dangerous because you kind of see these attacks as something that happens in an alleyway or in like at night or in kind of particular areas of Manchester where we may associate like higher levels of crime when actually it's happening on a bus, it's happening in our shopping centre and it's becoming something that we can't really ignore. And there almost seems to be this this bravery that we, we can do it anywhere. Yeah. And that I think that for me is the truly scary part of it personally <laughs> boldness rather than bravery I guess. yeah but boldness that's it that um, bravery is the wrong word i think uh, again this is another st- story we could uh, continue talking about but just in the interest of staying on time guys let's move on to our uh, third big story so increasing in scope now moving to a national level Brexit, eh? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, uh, again, for anyone who's maybe not kept an eye on the news... um, Me. Update us. Okay, so (laughs) Boris Johnson has proclaimed with absolute fervent joy that he has finally done it. He's finally managed to secure a deal. We have got a deal now, and it's going to go to Parliament tomorrow. Mm. It's going to Parliament... um, on Saturday, the deal that we've been presented with. And there is a lot of controversy 
within the Westminster bubble and within the country because there's a very, very short space of time between Mm -hmm. him securing the deal, him giving it to MPs to scrutinise and look into, for them to debate and then vote on it. Mm -hmm. So this is obviously a huge, huge bill that will dictate our lives within this country for generations to come. MPs will be given 90 minutes. They'll be given an hour and a half to debate it in Parliament, and then they have the vote. So obviously very, very controversial crazy that this has been building up for so long and then it just boils down to this one and a half hour slot and it's just it's so overwhelming i'm amazed he even came up with a deal because i think a lot of us thought he was bluffing the whole time mm-hmm. and never intended on actually um finalizing a deal with the eu it was just going to be a no deal brexit which was obviously the worst case scenario um and now i don't know how i feel yeah. It's um it's a bit of an interesting one as well because Boris is obviously proclaiming this as a huge victory for himself. Um do as, we all, the, as they all do. As as of course he will. Do we all know who Gina Miller is? No. Gina Miller, very, very prominent um, lawyer within the UK. She was the person that took the government to account within the Supreme Court Mm -hmm, for the prorogation of Parliament. She's fantastic at holding politicians to account. Really Mm -hmm. good. Um, She put out a tweet the other day saying that the deal Boris has is basically just... Obviously, it's like a 400-page document. It's a massive, massive... Wait, so you're telling me that MPs have an hour and a half to read 400 pages? And they've not even been given... They've not been given those 400 pages yet. Oh, wow. So Gina Miller is of the belief that there will be, in total, six amended paragraphs to the deal that Theresa May brought to Parliament. Right. So it's basically just Theresa May's deal with six changes that Boris is presenting as this huge victory for himself in security. Yeah. And there, there was changes. I mean, it depends what your view is, but... Um, <laughs> I th- I think it's an incredible shift from the Conservatives. Mm -hmm. Their position on Northern Ireland, like, until March this year, the whole idea of their Brexit was that there's no way we're going to, no way we're going to leave Northern Ireland behind in the EU. And now when it comes to the crunch, and then they, you know, they're kind of facing war, you know, civil war in Northern Ireland again, Mm -hmm. or, you know, staying in the customs union, the whole thing, suddenly they change their tune. And they go, we don't actually, Northern Ireland, not that important. So let's just get out of here and ditch them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's very telling that the uh, DUP, who are obviously the Northern Irish party that the Conservatives have partnered with, um, we don't know the ins and outs of why, because no one's seen the deal yet, but they are furious. They are absolutely furious at the deal. They're pledging that they're not going to support it in Parliament because um, they feel shortchanged. There's a lot of people in Northern Ireland do as well. Yeah. Gosh, and in in the wider sense, I've heard a lot of. There's been a lot of issues around immigration. Massively so. Um, I was listening to the Guardian, Fuse and Focus, in one morning, and basically saying that they're doing this thing with IDs that you have to kind of. It's like you do it through an app and you scan your ID. Yeah. And then the ID tries to kind of, or the app tries to kind of match you up to how many records. Um, that have been against your name and how many years you've been in the UK because obviously I think they're doing it that five years is settled status before like anything less than five years is pre-settled status but this is causing like it's going to cause a massive issue because there's going to be lots of people that have been in the UK for that amount of time but just don't have the records to match up or Mm -hmm. there's, there's people that maybe had children and they can't pay tax and things like that um, and the Guardian was saying that even if it works, 
there's going to be a very large amount of people that are just the system's just going to miss and misrecognize in the way that they shouldn't and there have been a lot of studies that have demonstrated conclusively that when you introduce a voter id system Mm. that overwhelmingly affects young people that overwhelmingly affects disabled people that overwhelmingly affects black and minority ethnic people anyone that's come here from a different country because not everyone has access to the documents that they're saying you you require yeah, exactly um I, I i don't know i think it's uh it's very very sort of dangerous territory that we're uh we're heading into in all this um yeah it's, it's scary times scary times yeah Anyway, should we move on to our yeah, let's, let's Come on, we, we, we've had some very, very heavy topics. Should it, yeah, we finish it's on a... a bit of a heavy episode. So, come on, let, let's finish it off on a high your note. Your lighthearted story for the week is that a couple were stopped at airport security after accidentally packing their pet cat in their hand the luggage. <laughs> Candy the cat had sneakily made herself at home in the couple's suitcase without them realising reports of Manchester Evening News. Um, The pair were off to a 40th birthday trip in New York and they didn't even realise the cat was in the case. So um, it it found it's the cat candy is always looking for bags and boxes and tight spaces to hide in. So I guess guess the cat managed to to squeeze in. But I think it's quite mean. They went all the way to New York and didn't take their cat. Do pet, do pet owners like take their pets on holiday? So, so when was the cat found? Was it when they got it to like the Air, airport security? So it was like they were going through. Did, they, did it go through like the uh, the security scan and they had like the X ray of the cat and everything inside? Or um, I, I I'm assuming it did. <laughs> I remember um, a story a few years ago where um a grandmother accidentally not accidentally I think she was like placed um her grandson on the conveyor belt <laughs> and then they saw the skeleton go through this like oh. tiny baby skeleton and they're like mom you can't do this <laughs> yeah if, if you wanted to know uh, candy was picked up by friends and nick uh and fat voyery uh the two people that were trying to get on their flight to new york managed to make their flight in time but what happened to the cat do we know it went home didn't get to go to new york oh. went home with a friend that's devastating. It, you know what? That's almost the basis for like one of those child cartoon movies. Mm. Like Candy Goes to New York. I mean, <laughs> if you're thinking of any ideas, let's make it. Let's make a, a cartoon film. I think. I think the real confusing bit uh, of all this for me is just how how do you not notice when you're packing? Oh, I've got a cat in my <laughs> luggage. Like surely a, a, a living animal that I assume is not quiet, being with all of your clothes and your luggage. Like, how do you not notice that? Maybe they're big cat people in all their clothes, like yeah. cat images on them, and then they just see the, the actual and cat's head in there. Perfectly camouflaged. The yeah. And also, sometimes when you're going to the airport, you're rushing, you're thinking, what have I got? Like, what Like, what do I need? Not, what have I got? As in, like, you'll be thinking, have I got my passport? Have I got my ID? Have I got my money? Not, I've got a cat. <laughs> it just, just doesn't cross your mind. You assume, I don't have my cat. I think it's it's brilliant. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if at this point, like I don't know, it came out that they knew it was in there, and they they, and thought, they just tried to sneak. They thought they could pull a fast one yeah. and just take their cat to New That's York. That's what I was going to ask. Are we sure they accidentally put a cat in their luggage? The article says it was an honest mistake, so I'm going to believe them. I'm going to believe them. I don't know. I I, I think you'd notice. I I don't see how you wouldn't. Some notice. honest journalism. Yeah. 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 Where's the integrity in all this? Ah, uh, right. Well. Very, very good way to end the show there. Uh, hopefully, everyone has enjoyed listening to that. 
Um, if anyone is interested in coming up and participating in show races in the red card, uh, we'll be in the SU at five o'clock. I think we're all sort of gathering. Yeah, everyone's taking a picture together. Upstairs in the hive. If you've got red on today, either intentionally or coincidentally, please come up and join us. Bring a pound. We'd really, really appreciate it. Um, and we're finally making our social media debut. Hey! Um, if you'd like to keep in touch with us or keep up to date, our Twitter is at Fuse and Focus, Facebook page is Fuse and Focus, and our Instagram should be up and running soon and will also be at Fuse and Focus. If anybody wants to get in touch about any stories that they think are interesting, they'd like us to discuss, or if anyone would like to come on and participate in a show, please, please, please do get in touch. We're always super happy to hear what people have had to say. Um, and thank you very much everyone for listening this has been episode 2 we'll be back next week I've been James I've been Megan I've been Rebecca and I've been Conrad good talk everyone this is Fuse FM Manchester's student radio